0: Welcome to the Pastor's Roundtable, the podcast where we pull apart and deconstruct the habits, routines, and tactics of great men and women of the faith. I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hey, welcome to another episode of the Pastor's Roundtable. I'm here with my friend Mel Massingale, and uh, I'm excited to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, some Stuff going on in Pennsylvania and what's going on in Mel's ministry and share. So uh, Mel and I, we've we've, uh, gone back, oh man, almost six, seven years ago, maybe. Um, We were on staff together at a church and uh, then he transitioned out and went to a lead pastor role in Pennsylvania. um, A church that needed a lot of uh, just new vision, new heart, new passion. And Mel came in, brought that and they have been seeing lots of growth, tremendous growth over the last couple of years. Um, he's also uh, helping lead a network called the Back Forty Network, which is helping churches uh, in in kind of rural areas of America with resources. They've got a podcast. They've got a conference. The conference man, just happened a few weeks ago. Um, from what I could see, what I heard was just awesome. You guys have had some great speakers out. Even Kerry Newhoff was there, I think, last year, the year before that. And so uh, Mel has been a great leader. He's been in all kinds of different levels of leadership and different roles, positions, which we'll dive into here in a minute. But uh, I'm excited for us to hear from Mel today. So Mel, uh, welcome. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ryan. It's an honor to be on
1: here with you and uh, have a conversation. I'm so, so glad that you would uh, think of having me. You must have run out of guests, so you guys
0: idea I did. We ran out of the guests. But uh, now, I was making fun of you before we started about the beard. So I got to let you guys know, for those guys that can't see Mel, Mel has, well, at least used to have just the beard that of all beards. I mean, you can just think of like, you know, Google – uh, you know, like wood, wood man. You know, just out backwoods, man. And that that beard used to be on Mel, but it's all trimmed up, man. What's what's going on? It's it's better kept now than it was last. <laughs> you know, in Oklahoma City last uh,
1: back in I don't know, June July. I don't remember when it was. Now uh, a friend of mine said, hey, you need to go get your beard trimmed at this place, and I don't even remember the name of it now. But I went in they actually shaped it like it should look and you know like trimmed it nicely so i've tried to keep it look a little looking a little nicer since then instead of just like a grizzly adams mountain man. so
0: i mean it was it was it, i was gonna say like your your beard almost needs like its own beard podcast of how to be a beard you know <laughs> probably be way more interesting than my back 40 podcast But uh, yeah. <laughs> i'm sure yeah. i'm sure it would not but uh i appreciate the the trimmed up beard i'm sure your wife does too so
1: And I actually did it just for you, so.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Do your girls appreciate the trimmed up beard? Uh, They don't really care. They just,
1: I asked them not too long ago if they wanted me to shave. And I've had the beard uh, like four and a half, five years now. And they both were like, no, no, you cannot shave your beard. My wife remembers what's underneath my beard. So she doesn't want me to shave it either.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And just to clarify, we're talking about your daughters. So uh, the daughters are, are, uh, you know, vocal about it. So, well, Mel, just tell us a little bit. I mean, you're a lead pastor. You're also helping out with the the Back 40 Network. So tell us just a little bit about the Back 40 Network. What is it? What are you guys doing? Uh, Where can people get connected with you?
1: Yeah, uh, so we came on staff at, uh, at Summit back in um, January of 2014. Um, we uh, came to the area. The church was about 500 at the time, and we immediately saw the need in our region for uh, – there's so many churches, uh, but so many of them were small, rural, you know, struggling churches. And so we just felt like, what do we need to do to help? Um, and when we looked at demographic studies, uh, you know, we saw that there were 90,000 people in our county. There were 47,000 people, of which uh, of those that said they don't go to church anywhere. And so we just felt like, man, what are we supposed to do about that? And our answer was, hey, how do we help other churches get healthy? And uh, how do we help other churches uh begin to grow and reach lost people? Because we felt like if you know, if our church grows, that's great, but it might be a kingdom loss ultimately. So for us, we just decided. what if we help the church of 100 become a church of 200 or if what if we help the church of 50 become a church of 100 Uh, if we would all just do our part we felt like we could reach you know we could reach uh the forty-seven thousand. and so that's kind of what our goal had been originally and now we're starting to influence some other churches in other regions other parts of the united states and so that's fun it's fun to see it's fun to be able to help and partner with churches and so uh that's how back 40 got started a few years ago so we had our first conference in 2017 uh carrie newoff shannon odell were here um, 2018, we had uh, Donnie Griggs, who wrote a great book called Small Town Jesus, uh, and um, and Peter Haas was with us as well, and then uh, this year, in 2019, we had Gerald Brooks and Matt Fry, and uh, they both did a great job, and all those sessions are available on our website at back40.network. If somebody's interested in watching that or following along, they certainly can. Uh, so we started the the network, um, we started the podcast, all that kind of stuff, just basically as a resource just to help churches, help pastors. And uh, so it's been fun to come alongside pastors.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, um, you know, they can they can get on that on your website, which is back40network. Is that what it was? Yeah, back40.network. And they can connect with us on social
1: media as well, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, uh, you know, follow along with some of the stuff. We have some roundtables, uh, you know, locally from time to time. And we're starting to look at, we've had some invitations, to go to different parts of the United States to do to do local back 40 and we're not there yet uh, but that's something we're looking at down the road so
0: that's great that's great so uh, it sounds like your dog wants to be on the podcast as well you want to introduce your dog <laughs> it's, she, she's the manliest dog ever <laughs> this is Lulu she's demon
1: possessed and um, black eyes lifeless eyes anyway
0: oh that's awesome that's awesome. Well, no, tell us just a little bit. Like I said, you've, you've had a few different roles in the church. Uh, just tell us a little bit about your, your ministry journey. What roles have you played? What, what does that, your, you know, ministry journey look like? Yeah, I came out of Bible
1: college and I felt like, you know, uh, if I'm going to do ministry, you got to do youth ministry. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. And so I did youth ministry and I loved it and I felt like we had a level of success in youth ministry. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I, we were we had done youth ministry for about eight or nine years and we realized, hey, you know what, uh, maybe our heart's shifting a little bit. And so we started doing adult ministry at that part, point, doing associate pastor. I was a community pastor at a church, uh, just doing outreach stuff and, you know, just basically whatever we needed. And so I did that at a couple of places and uh, came on staff at Victory in Oklahoma City, where we were on staff together. And I was a campus pastor at our main location there and uh, did that for a couple of years. And I felt like at that point I was... I felt prepped to be able to go just about anywhere and have some modicum of success just because, uh, I had lots of responsibility there. So, um, I, you know, went from there to becoming the lead pastor here at summit and I had no idea how, um, you know, how, Oh, Oh, challenging the role of lead pastor really was i thought i did and then when i got into that role it's like it's a heavy burden and i understood that and i gave a lot more grace to some of the pastors i served under after i realized some of the challenges of being a lead pastor and uh so yeah i've served in lots of different roles lots of different areas had lots of staff responsibilities and people answering to me and all kinds of stuff
0: but yeah so it's been yeah share about that because i'm sure you're not the only person that has transitioned into lead pastoring and just felt like well, that was a lot different. I thought I was prepared, but maybe I'm not. So just what what was that like for you? What were some of that learnings? What What is that?
1: Well, I, I think one of the biggest things for me, um, you know, when I was at Victory as a campus pastor, I've told people the most challenging thing I've ever done in ministry is to try to learn how to steward someone else's vision. And that's what I had to do as a campus pastor. So if pastor said, here's what we're doing, no matter how crazy the idea might be, if I would have to sell it as if it was the greatest thing ever. And And so learning how to steward that vision and lay down my vision was really challenging, but it it helped me make the transition to be a lead pastor better. And so that was one of the things I I think I learned in that process. But, you know, you just you're not ready for the weight. You're not ready for the weight that comes with every decision, because, again, when you're a campus pastor or an associate pastor, an exec pastor, at the end of the day, the pastor is still responsible. So you can make a decision. You still have this warm blanket of. Well, the, i'm not the boss though so he has to decide and when you're the pastor it's like oh no i gotta decide like this is my baby and um and so it's just different um you know when you've got debt to deal with and you got challenges in the church and you know people that are upset with you or they don't like you or they're mad about something all those things again it's it's deeply personal and intimate and uh, it's hard to deal with some of that stuff when you're the lead guy
0: yeah i know a, a couple of my friends have talked about just that when you're an associate pastor, even like youth or kids, campus, whatever it might be, you know, you are worried about your ministry and what you're doing. But now as the lead pastor, right? Like you not only worry about yours, but you're also like, man, I got to take care of my staff. Yep. I got to make sure that they're fed, that their their kids are fed. Um, and, and and so you're worried about not just the church's finances, but also just like you're you're paying your staff and take care of them. And so I'm sure that weighs heavily on you as well. Well, and helping helping staff see uh, the big picture, because I want every one of my
1: staff members to believe their department is the most important. I want every, my youth pastor to think the youth ministry is the most important ministry of the church, but I also need them to be mature enough to have a little bit of the big picture and understand, but my ministry is not the only ministry in this church. Uh, and so helping staff balance that and understand that and helping them see as much of the picture as I can is helpful, but it's also challenging, because I remember when I was a youth pastor and thought, I don't know why they're struggling. My my ministry is growing. I'm doing great, you know. And it was just I was so um, singularly focused on what I was doing that I failed to see what else was going on in the church and how my actions impacted other departments and other leaders and other people. And um, and so that's helped me have um, just a different approach. I think when it comes to you know leading the staff, leading the team, um, is just having some of the background I've had. So that, that's been helpful.
0: Yeah. So talk about what are you doing to, you know, I know one of the big words is silos, right? Like that we don't want our ministries to be siloed. So what are some things that you guys are doing there at summit that are helping the, the different departments to not be so siloed? Uh We do a lot of development together. Um, And so
1: just, I really think um, proximity helps breed community. And so more, the more time our team members are spending together, uh the, the, more likely it is that they're working together on stuff and so um you know we do a lot of leadership development together in the same room uh even our team meetings like we don't have a weekly staff meeting but we'll do i'll do weekly team meetings so like youth kids young adults they'll meet together for 15 or 20 minutes just to do on monday do a debrief together so we'll talk about stuff and so just even in the context of that short meeting it really helps them stay aware of what's going on in the other areas that are most related to them um, we do the same thing with our adult ministry team. You know, we'll have a 15 or 20 minute meeting on Mondays, but again, it just keeps them all on the same page. There's overlap because then they can talk about, Oh, this is happening with me. This is how it might impact you or hey, be thinking about, or, Hey, you know, this is happening with this person. So I wanted to make you aware of, and so it, yeah. that just helps, uh, communication. Um, and so I think simple things like that help with it. Um, you know, it's crazy, but I really do believe the, the closer the offices are together, the easier it is to to relate. So when we've got people officed all over our building, as happens with a growing church, it's harder for them. They have to work harder to stay in community because if you're tucked away in an old broom closet on the backside of the building and you're not in the office suite, you've got to work to stay in those kind of relationships. And so we just, we really do try to be intentional about building We're on the same page talking through you know laying out the sermon series for the year and all those kind of things we do that stuff together and so all that stuff i think helps to some degree but it's still that's the challenge of a growing church is it's easy to get so focused on what i'm doing that we forget about the other stuff so
0: yeah yeah so you just said something that uh, is pretty i don't even know if you're allowed to say that you you said we don't have a weekly staff beat i don't know if that's like allowed to be said so how is, that, how is that happening?
1: Well, what we were doing when I first came and the staff was smaller. So when I came to the church was about 500 and we had some part-time staff, and a couple of full-time staff. And it was really easy to do a weekly staff meeting. And uh, so we'd get together on Monday and, okay, let's talk about the weekend. Let's talk about, you know, and we would go through the stuff. And uh, the bigger our staff got, the more we started adding team members, the more I realized how ineffective that meeting was. Because what would happen is we would get sidetracked on... A tech issue for 20 minutes and i would have my whole admin team in that room and you could just see their eyes glaze over like this has nothing to do with us it's still valuable it's still important but what i realized is i'm wasting all their time you know they're being they're less efficient because they're in this meeting rather than more efficient so what we did is we just got rid of the weekly meetings and i started doing they're not truly stand-up meetings but that's basically what they are they're going to be so short we could stand up through this meeting you know 15 20 minutes tops And let's just do the highlights and in those those weekly meetings with my teams so it's um, students adult ministry team and then creative those three teams i'll meet with uh, and then i'll meet with my facility director as well for about a 10 minute meeting just hey tell me what's going on but those meetings take me a little longer than the one meeting used to but the individual team members their time is used more efficiently and so it allows us to dig in a little deeper. But really what we're doing in those meetings, they're just giving me information. They're telling me, hey, Pastor, you need to know about, And hey, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I need your help with. Here's the thing I need an answer on. Can you help me with this? And so literally we do that 15 or 20 minutes. They're giving me information and I'm giving them high level stuff, whatever they have to have. But I'm not casting vision in that. I'm not doing anything else. We're just, they're downloading information to me. And then um, once a month we do, um, we do a, a, we don't have a creative name for it it's our big team meeting is what we call it our big staff meeting so the first monday of every month we do a large staff meeting with everybody some churches call them all staffs but basically it's everybody who's employed at our church part-time full-time they all meet here for about an hour and a half long meeting and in that meeting all we do is we'll do about 30 to 40 minutes of wins hey what's going on that we want to celebrate and that's when man People talk about, I'm so excited about this. Hey, we pulled this off. Hey, we began this. We started this. Hey, this person had a, a shift in their life. Whatever it is, we'll, we'll share all those stories. And it's really exciting. It's a great thing. Uh, we'll take like 10 minutes. We'll do like handwritten cards to people in our church because those are gold. The bigger our church gets, the more valuable those cards become to people. Um, and then usually I'll do about a 30 or 40 minute teaching and I'll talk about leadership stuff um, I'll cast vision, I'll encourage, you know, and that's all it is. And that's me transmitting information to them in that, in that meeting. Uh, and then we do monthly, you know, I'll bring somebody in to do leadership development or I'll Skype somebody in, um, you know, we'll do um, a couple times a year, we'll go through, read through a book together. So we'll do that every other week with all of my pastors, we'll sit down and go through that. So, you know, we have different times as well that we do some of that, but really as far as just meetings, I hate meetings for the meeting's sake. So let's trim them down let's do what we need to do but let's be as efficient as we possibly can that was kind of our idea
0: yeah that's great that's great so you come into a church of 500 and i know you're real passionate about leadership development leadership investment so i mean there's so many churches that are you know 500 400 you know whatever 800 that kind of say man where do i start with leadership development how do i get these people involved how do i get that my my people in front of great leadership development uh people so how how have you i mean you got carrie newhoff to come out you've got these speakers to come out and so what what are you doing how what advice would you give to somebody um who's in that situation well and every church is a little different but like we've um, you know just
1: like pastors will tell people if you show me your checkbook i can tell you what you value and if you show me your budget i'll tell you what you value And so if you've got zero budgeted for leadership development, you can say you value it all you want, you don't. And so what we did is we just made a line item in our budget and, um, you know, we budgeted in, hey, what's it going to cost us to bring somebody in every month or every other month to just do a deposit into our staff? Somebody like Kerry Newhoff, and this was before Kerry is who he is now, uh, you know, this was... 2014, I think was the first time I brought Kerry in and he just came in and did staff development with our team. And it was because I asked him, you know, I reached out and said, Hey, would you? And he said, okay, yeah. And so I've had Kerry in a few times. Um, but just other high level leaders who I just asked, and that's one of the things is they're not, they're not chasing me down to say, Hey, can we develop your team? But they're open if I'm willing to reach out to them. So, you know, when we were a church of 500, I was reaching out to churches of 800 or a thousand and saying, Hey come in and tell us what you're doing so we can rip it off. You know, like we want to, we want to be what you're, we want to be what you're, you are someday. We want to be like you when we grow up. And so, you know, where we're at now, um, in a normal weekend, we're around 1400 on a weekend and, um, and you know, we're growing and that's great. But again, I'm, I'm reaching out to pastors of 2004 or 10,000 saying, Hey, come in and tell us what you're doing. And we want to grow and be stretched um and so we just we budgeted it we made time for it um i knew our staff would be busy and honestly every time we do something like that i'll have a staff member say to me man pastor when I, this was on the schedule i didn't feel like i had enough time but man i'm so glad that we did that it's so helpful and uh and it's 100 percent true so we made the time we budgeted the money And we just said we're gonna do it and and even if you're watching this or listening to this and you go, we don't have a budget for it, like we can't budget for it, our margins are too tight, I would say there's probably people in your community that are high-level leaders that would come in for free to do development with you. So maybe not even a church leader, but maybe somebody who's a high-level leader in their business or in uh, their you know the community, maybe the, the head of the Chamber of Commerce is a high-level leader, and they can come in and talk about business principles without giving you the nuts and bolts to church. So um, we just prioritized it said we're gonna do this, yeah. we're gonna make it happen. And that's, that's what's developed.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great. I love the idea of bringing in somebody even from the outside that's in your community there. And so I mean, you've had a lot of exposure to these guys. And so what you know, if you could maybe pull out one gold nugget, what would be one of the best advice that you've heard or that you've received? Uh, or maybe that you've given?
1: oh gosh um probably the best piece of advice I've received uh one of my pastors growing up I heard him say it a thousand times when I was a kid uh, but uh, it really makes a lot of sense to me now and he said uh, he would say jesus was the son of God and couldn't make 12 guys happy all the time so you're never gonna make everyone happy in your life and especially now that I'm a pastor I really understand that because if you pastor 50 people or if you got 50 kids in your youth ministry or whatever it is, there's zero chance that you're going to make all 50 of them happy. There's always going to be people unhappy with you. And um, and our goal is not to make people happy. Our goal is to please God. And so, um, you know, I've told our church before, when I stand before God someday, uh, I'm going to be held in judgment for my life. Uh, I'm going to be held in judgment for uh, the people that that I led, that I stewarded as the pastor. And I'm going to be held in judgment before God, not before the people. So if i have only got to make one of them happy, it's going to be God every day of the week. And so that just makes it easier to uh, to go, hey, I'm going to live with some of this criticism that comes my way. Uh, And so that's been one that I've uh, that's been good for me. Um, You know, one of the things I've told pastors a lot lately that I think has been really helpful for me that I've learned is um is that you can never let your your role become your identity um and that was one of the things the dangers I got into when I was at at Victory uh is that you know I was on on the stage every weekend it was a large church large platform and I was getting recognized in public a lot and I realized that I really liked it and I realized how dangerous it was for my soul it was almost like when you're driving down the highway and you you kind of drift over those rumble strips and it kind of jars you awake And I had this moment with the Holy Spirit where I realized I liked it. And I were just like rumble strips, you know, like, whoa, this is not good for me. And um, and so I had a conversation with my wife and we talked about it. And we just decided at that moment, I'm never going to need a church worse than a church needs me. Um, Because if I do for my ego, because I'm the campus pastor, because I'm the pastor of this church and that's that's my identity. If I ever need it for the salary, because I've seen lots of pastors who wouldn't leave a church because they were making too good of money even though they probably have been there too long you know they needed the church worse than the church needed them and as a result if if we get in that place we'll never We'll never be able to be obedient to God because God will say, I've got something better for you. I've got something better for the church and we'll never leave because my identity and my ego are wrapped up in it, or my financial you know, future is wrapped up in it. And so we just decided at that point, you know what, we're never, ever, ever going to need a church worse than the church needs us. That free has freed us up when we came here to make some really, really unpopular decisions. And, um, you know, my first weekend here, we had um, they were averaging about 500. My first weekend here, we had 647. Uh, my second weekend here, we had 417, so I don't know if that tells you something about my preaching or what, but uh, <laughs> people in one weekend, and um, and honestly, in the first 90 days I was here, we got so much criticism, and so much hate mail, and so much uh, public and private, I mean, it was ugly, and um, and we just kind of anchored ourselves in this thing where we said, hey, this is not who we are, this is the job we're doing, and I'm not here to make people happy, I'm here to please God, so... If we lose people, um, we're going to do exactly what we feel like God's calling us to do. All We're going to ride this thing into the ground if, that, if, that, if that's what we feel like God's asking us to do. And we're going to be okay with that. So those are, I guess, two pieces of advice, one that I've gotten and one that I've doled out some.
0: Yeah, that's good. Now, um, I think you feel comfortable sharing, but you, you've you t- talked to me a little bit about and you've shared before about how you received some of that hate mail and, uh, and then, you know, Eventually, some of those started turning around. So you want to share just one of those stories, or yeah,
1: know, about so, that honestly, um, I, I kept after about the first ninety days here, we started seeing results we started seeing people saved every service literally people were responding for salvation lives were being changed and that's the ultimate trump card it's hard to argue with that because people might hate your the music they might not like the style but if people are getting saved at the end of the day it's hard to argue with that so we were seeing people saved pretty regularly the, the church was beginning to grow even though we lost a couple hundred people over that first um you know 3 or 4 months uh, the church was starting to grow good things were happening and um and so um, I kept all that hate mail, but what we did in the process is we just told our staff, because our staff was getting frustrated and they were saying, what should we do? Should we talk about it? Should we respond? And I would invite every one of those people to have a conversation with me. Like, Hey, let's talk. That's what Matthew 18 says. Like, come to my office and sit down. I'll meet you somewhere. And none of them, not a single family, uh, ever would. And so I just made the decision. We're going to love them in spite of this. And so what happened is, um, I would, I would be talking to somebody in the lobby and I would see one of these people walking through out of the corner of my eye. And I'd say, excuse me one second. I'd turn and go, Hey, it's great to see you today. I love you so much. I'm so glad you're here. And part of that was because it was a discipline because I needed to make myself say, I love you because I didn't feel like loving them very much, but it was also a discipline for my heart to, to, it kind of brought my heart into alignment to love them. And so we just made the decision to do that. And, um, And of all the hate mail that we got, I kept it all. And about two or three years ago now, probably, I went through it, I found it all and went through it. And of all the pieces of hate mail that we got, either handwritten um, emails, Facebook messages. I printed it all. I saved it. Of all of that, only one family left our church. All the rest of the families stayed in our church. And and most of them are some of our biggest supporters today. And, uh, and I'm so grateful that we just decided we chose the high road. We just said, hey, we're not going to trash them. We're going to love them. And if they stay, we're going to love them. If they leave, we're going to love them. Um, and so and honestly that's paid off we sowed seed that we didn't know if we'd ever see the fruit from and we're seeing the fruit of it today and that was a, that was a really hard season it wasn't easy at all but um but i'm so grateful that we just chose the high road and i've, I've told people the high road sucks but the good news is there's no traffic <laughs> so we just chose the high road and loved on people in spite of it and that proved to them our character and who we were and what we were about
0: well and- I mean, it just sounds crazy to to keep all these these pieces of mail that just seem like they're attacking you, but but you're a weird guy, man. So it works out.
1: yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there were moments that were I had two people leave the church on the same day. One person said, you're too legalistic, so we're leaving the church, and one said, uh, you you, you water down the gospel too much. So we're leaving the church. And it's like, wait a second, like you're You're saying opposite things, right? You know, and so at the end, at the end of the day, you just decide, man, I can't make you people happy. So I'm just going to do what God's calling us to do and love you as well as I can, love God as well as I can and let the chips fall where they may.
0: Yeah, that's, that's so funny. So you guys have experienced tons of change. Uh, I mean, just in programming, staffing, buildings, I mean, you name it, you guys have experienced change. Uh, So what have you done? Uh, that has worked. What have you learned about change? How did you lead through all that change? What what advice can we give us when he talks to about change and and helping lead through all that? Uh,
1: as a new leader, it was real easy for me to change things that I didn't start because uh, I didn't see the vision behind it. I didn't know the why behind it. And so, uh, as I said earlier, I, I made some really unpopular decisions. We had a Saturday night service when I came, and it was about eighty people that would come on a saturday night in a like a 700 seat auditorium and uh, it was just a little depressing it was like you know back up it was the people that people leading worship that would never lead worship on a sundays that's who they would have lead worship on a saturday they would have um they didn't have kids ministry on a saturday night when i came so we did it for about three months and I, I just canceled it. I talked to the board and said, guys, we don't need it. And if we're not going to do it well, we're not going to do it because it doesn't reflect well on us or the kingdom of God. And I'd hate making excuses for it. So if a family showed up on Saturday night, I'd have to say, please come back tomorrow to be better, you know, because they don't have anything for their kids. Uh, so we canceled it. And man, that was part of some of our exodus. We had a bunch of people leave the church because they were saying things like, well, you're taking away our salvation or, you know, my husband will never go to heaven now because he'll never go to church. And it was just crazy stuff like that. And, uh, so we canceled the service and we said, if we, if we ever bring it back, we're going to do it well. And, um, we are going to do it right. It'll look just like Sunday morning. And so eventually we did about a year later, we brought it back cause we needed to, but, um, You know, we made lots of decisions like that where we just said, nope, we're pulling the trigger on this. No, we're not going to do it. And uh, we were just real decisive. And one of the things we did that I think we did well is we always led with vision. And so we never made a decision just because... We don't want to do Saturday night anymore because we're tired of coming here on Saturday night. It was, hey, here's the vision behind us doing Saturday night. If we're going to do it, it's going to reflect well in the kingdom of God. And it's just not right now. So this is why we're not going to do it anymore. So we did that with just about everything we did. We led with vision, talked about why this is helping us do what we want to do or it's hindering us from doing what we wanted to do. And that made it a little better. But, I mean, I did everything wrong, honestly. I was talking about, I mean, my very first board meeting I ever had I, I told them, Hey, we need to look at being multi-site and we need to look at, uh, adding on, you know, we need to add, you know, 12,000 square feet onto our building to facilitate kids ministry. And so I just don't know how many people, and I just, I was just an idiot to, to think we should go into a meeting and start talking about a two or $3 million loan. And, uh, (laughs) and I'd been there for less than three weeks. Um, but those are the things we did that we just felt like, this is what, this is, what makes sense. Like, look around, like, here's some things we just have to change. Even if we don't feel God speaking to us, it's like, well, it makes sense. We have to do this differently. And um, so we just led the way with vision, talked through, you know, the things that needed to change. And, uh, and we're at the point now, I've been here uh, going on six years that now we're changing things that I started. So there are things now that we're changing that when we started, it was a great idea. It was really important, but at a point now it's like well it's not useful anymore and it's one thing to change what other people started it's another thing to change what you started and i realized um i don't like changing the stuff i started as much so even for that it's a discipline of saying hey is this good for the body is this good for our team is this good for the kingdom of god and if it's not let's stop doing it and so there's been a ton of things that we started when i came and then we've just gotten rid of because we go nope it's not effective anymore it's not helping us um, move the ball down the field so um, we've just created a culture where we just know the only thing that is not going to change is scripture, period. Everything else is on the table. And, um, and people just understand that now.
0: Yeah, that's gotta be hard. Cause it, those, those become personal. Like, oh man, I, that was my idea. And now we're saying it's not a good idea. Absolutely. And so,
1: you know, we just have, as leaders, I just have to hold on to all those things loosely that again, I, I this job is not my identity, um, and so again, these ideas are not my identity, you know, we're going to do this. And if it's useful, great. And if it's not, then I've got to lay down my pride enough to go, okay, well, let's move on to something else. Um, and, and that is hard for leaders to do because uh, we all like change. If it's our change, if it's our idea, if it's not our idea, then we hate change. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. We, we always love change until you change my thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, all of this change, growth, um, lots of new staff develop and all kinds of stuff, but a huge priority for you guys has got to be recruiting volunteers and getting mobilizing them. So yep. what are you guys doing that's working for recruiting, training, mobilizing a huge, you know, uh, volunteer base? Well, let me, let me say this. If, um, if there are people that are watching
1: this or listening to this and they're struggling to get as many volunteers as they would like, I want you to know something. You are not alone. Every church in America struggles with getting enough volunteers. And if they say they don't, they are lying. They do, every church in America does. And that's just the nature of what we do. So I've told our team, we're never gonna have a day where we go, now we've got enough workers. There's always gonna be a gap between what we need and what we have. Uh, And so we just learn to be comfortable in that. That's attention to manage and it's not a problem to fix. Um, So, you know, we do like a lot of churches do, we have growth track and that's been a great pipeline for us to get people connected um, in our church, if you don't serve, you cannot be a member. So that's been effective in helping us. Cause if you want to have a baby dedicated, if you want to get married in our church, if, I mean, you know, if you want to have a say, if you want to be able to teach, if you want to be able to be on the worship team, you have to be a member. And so those are all things that we just say, Hey, you don't, you don't have to become a member, but here's, here's what you get for being a member. Here's the benefit of us, you know, walking together in covenant. Uh, and so that's helped. But really, we never, ever, 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 ever do cattle calls from the stage where we go, hey, we need a bunch of workers for kids ministry, sign up, because what happens is the wrong people sign up for that. And so for us, um, our teams have just gotten real creative in, um, in, in how they invite people onto the team, and we never, you know, it's about our language, we never say things like, hey, you wouldn't want to help come change diapers in kids ministry, would you? Because the answer is no. They would not want to help change diapers in kids ministry. Uh, but what we do is we use language of, inclu- uh, of inclusiveness and uh, community. And so we'll say things like, man, I love serving in kids. Why don't you come serve with me sometime? Come check it out sometime. Come serve alongside me. Because then we're inviting them into something. And so, you know, we've we've done that. And some of our team members are, do it really, really well. And some of them are still struggling with that a little bit. Um you know, one of the things that I think some of our team members have done really well here is they haven't shied away from high capacity leaders. Um, so in your church, my church, there are people that are super busy and we naturally go, well, they've got so much going on, they don't have time to serve. That's the natural response. But um, the, the highest level leaders in our organization are the ones that recognize busy people are the people we want serving. Because um, what we ha- we do a lot of times is we we tend to staff to the faithfulness level of someone. Hey, they're here all, every week. I know they'll show up, but as a result, that that department that area is lacking. It's not as good as it could be. And so some of our team, what they've done done really well is um, they've approached you know high level leaders in different businesses in our community that are part of our church and said, Hey, I would love for you to be a part of this. And and you know they'll cast vision for it because people that have accomplished a lot. Uh, and this is going to sound terrible, they don't want to just hold a door. They want to be involved with something that matters, that's, that's impactful. And so um, I've got high-level leaders in our community that are involved in our church serving in different areas, and it's because our team members have said, hey, I've got this area that you could really be effective in. Why don't you come alongside us? Why don't you serve in this? And they cast vision for it. They help them see the value and the importance of it. And, um, and they lay something down to be part of something that's, to them, more valuable. And so It's at the end of the day, it's a numbers game overall with volunteers. Um, If you need if you need 100 volunteers on a weekend, you better be asking 300. Um, And if you're not, you're going to be lucky to get 100. Uh, And so for us, you know, we've got, I don't know, 350 volunteers regularly and then another 150 or 200 probably that serve a couple times a year. Um, and it's, it's constant work. It's constant maintenance. And so our teams just know, hey, my job is, is not kids pastor. My job is not to minister to kids. My job is to minister to adults who minister to kids. And a major part of that is recruiting and development. Uh, that's just part of what it is. So even when we're hiring, we bring people on, we set good expectations for what we want, what we expect to see. And, um, and that's part of it. Uh, so I don't know if there's a magic answer there, but like you know, Growth Track has helped. Um, individual communication, you know, putting tools in, in our in our team's hands to help them invite their friends, invite you know people that are interested in those areas. All that stuff is helpful, but there's not a magic bullet. Uh, there's no such thing.
0: Yeah. So for those aren't familiar with Growth Track, unpack that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, you know, Church of the
1: Highlands, I think, is one of the originators of Growth Track um, and uh, all their resources are free on their website and it's great. I mean, and they will help you. And So we've stolen a lot of stuff from Church of the Highlands. So Growth Track is four weeks. Uh, Ours looks a little different than what Highlands does. For us, week one is kind of like Summit 101. Um, Here's our vision. Here's our values. Here's what we're about. Here's why membership matters today, because at our church, members don't vote on anything. The only thing members ever vote on is they ratify board members once a year, and they don't even get to pick board members. I tell them, here's who I would like. You get to say yes or no, and that's it. So at summit membership is really about uh, responsibility. It's more about here's what's expected of me now if I'm gonna step into this role. They're like our special forces. And so we talk through that in week one. Uh, week two, we do spiritual gifts assessment and we do, um, we do a personality assessment, the DISC. And so we walk through that with them because we want them to understand how they're wired, how they were uniquely made and, and how that fits into the kingdom. Week three, we talk about um, connecting their giftings and their leadership capability and developing that overall and what that looks like because everyone is a leader whether they realize that or not so we really unpack that in week three and then for us week four is when we connect them to all of our our, all of our department leaders uh, pastors everybody so that's when we basically say hey you know here's what your spiritual gifts assessment said uh here's some things you said you're interested in why don't you take a look at this area and so we'll connect them to those department leaders and that's when they will schedule training they'll talk about hey here's what the next steps are and we'll get people plugged in Right then, for the most part, as far as, hey, here's what the next step is. I'd like for you to come check out a Wednesday night service, you know, with our youth ministry two weeks from now. You're going to be shadowing this person. You know, they'll answer questions, all that kind of stuff. So we set that up in week four. And then we just, you know, follow up. So I've got a person on staff that that's her job is to make sure, you know, People are going through the pipeline. If people get stuck, like man, they haven't finished week two yet, then we will um, remind them, "Hey, week two's coming up. We'd love for you to get involved." You know, and so she's doing all that kind of stuff on the back end, trying to help people get connected to those opportunities and things like that. But that's basically what it is. It's just, um, it's just a system by which we can get people from point A to point B.
0: Yeah. So I know part of what you're doing with your staff is you talked about leading um, with books, using materials, things like that. So what's a, what's a go-to book for you, maybe that you've read, maybe with your staff or for you, or what's something you you gift out? Um, my favorite book that I've read the last couple of years is, is leadership
1: pain by Sam Chan. Uh, that's probably my go-to just because I've been through some challenges and that's been, it's been helpful for me to process what that pain could be and, and does mean rather than what, you know, simply the feeling I had when I was going through that stuff. And so that's been a terribly helpful book. And I wish I would have been able to read that when I was 20, it would have been helpful for my ministry. So leadership pains, probably one of my favorite. Um, not too long ago, I read a book by Dave Ferguson, hero maker, um, really good book, really helpful. And a book that kind of goes along with hero maker that I like is uh, JD Greer. Um, Oh, gaining by losing. And, uh, man, that's, that has rocked my world recently. And that's been out for a while, but man, I just, it's been so helpful for us, especially as we're looking at, um, it's, the book is all about sending, being a sending culture and how to develop that. And so for us, it's so helpful as we're looking at planting churches and multi-site and casting vision for that and why we're doing that. Uh, it's been really, really helpful. So those are the three that have probably been the most impactful lately to me.
0: Yeah. Every week you're, you're involved in, in reading books and studying things like that. I know, uh, you, you got a lot of rhythms and things like that. So what does that sermon prep look like for you? I mean, you know, every Sunday is coming, coming soon, right? So what, what is that rhythm look like for you? What's preparation? Yeah. Uh, so typically what I do is, uh, in the fall,
1: I will, um, sit down with, Any of our staff that wants to, we open it up to anyone. um, Receptionists, secretaries, admin, literally janitors if they want to. And I'll go through all my sermon series ideas for 2020. So we're actually doing that um, next week. So we're going to put them all on my big board here in my office. And we're going to go through them all together. I'm going to talk about, man, I really like this one. I feel like this is what God's speaking to me. And then I'm going to have some that are like, I had this idea. What do you guys think? And so they start giving feedback. And we talk through all the things what would we do with this what are some takeaways some tokens some big ideas some tangible things we could give them um you know just illustrations on stage uh, clips just different things we could do to help drive the message home and again it's one thing to have my perspective but i want different perspectives on our team because they're going to see it differently and so it's always valuable to have that buy-in and so we'll have like 15 of us probably in the room we'll go through all that together we'll lay out that you know next week we'll lay out Here's when we're doing this series, this series, this series for the entire year. So we'll lay out 2020, and um, if we can, if it's more of an expository series, then we're going to lay out the scriptures. So if we're going through the Book of Ephesians, we're going to lay out. Here's the weeks we're going through this scripture, this scripture, and we'll go through it all. So we'll lay out as much of that as we can uh, next week in that one day. It'll take about two hours to do that, and then um, and then what I do is I, I start an Evernote file for each of those sermon series and I'll put in as much information as I have on each of those files. And then throughout the year, as I'm studying for something, if I have an idea or a sermon illustration or a scripture that I read that would fit one of those sermons, I'll go into it right then on my phone or on my iPad and, and put it in for that week or for that sermon series. And so the closer I get, the more robust that file's getting. And so by the time I actually get to the week of, a lot of times I'm only spending three or four hours tops prepping for that week's message because I've already been prepping for it. I've already plugged in some sermon illustrations, some ideas, some thoughts, whatever it might be, uh, books that I need to read leading up to it, you know, those kind of things. So by the time I actually get to the week of, I'm usually only spending three or four hours prepping for that specific message. So for me, Tuesday is my sermon prep day normally where I block off. I don't have appointments and I just do sermon prep. And when I'm finished with that week's message, I always work ahead toward, okay, what are some things I need to work on? So we've got a big vision series in October that um, that I'm already, like it's, it's filled out, like I'm feeling good about it. We've got a generosity series in November that uh, I've been working on. And uh, so usually one day a week, I'm working on messages, but usually the week of, it's only three or four hours tops that I'm working on a, that weekend's message.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned Evernote. So what other, do you have any other, Productivity tips, hacks, websites. What what do you use? It's a big one for you. So what what else is is there? I'm a late adopter,
1: and uh, which is weird for guys in my position. But um, but some of our staff uh, like they use Asana is the biggest one our staff uses by far. They love Asana. I just don't do it, and I kind of big time them and just say. You can assign me anything you want on Asana. I'm not getting on it. You'll have to tell me, hey, we need this done by and I will get it done. But I'm just not going to I'm just not going to do it. I'm pulling the pastor card on that one. Uh, But our team loves Asana. Um, uh, Probably half of our team. I don't know if they would know what to do if they didn't have Asana. So. uh, they uh they've they use that religiously and that's been a great tool for us. We've used Slack some in the past and some of our staff still does use that. That's a good tool as well. But again, if not everybody's using it, it's not as valuable. But uh, probably our go-to is Asana. For me personally, uh, Evernote is the one that I use all the time. I use it for so many different things, uh, in so many different ways. That's probably my favorite uh, resource that I use.
0: Yeah, I'm an Evernote guy as well. It's it's just it's just clean, easy to use. So. Um... You know, you're leading a church. You're leading a network. Um, you're involved uh, as, a, as a husband, as a father. You got a lot of different roles going on. And so, what is what does that look like for you to spend time with the Lord? When are you doing that? What does that look like? Um, you know, how how are you staying refreshed uh, with your relationship with the Lord? Yeah,
1: I'm not the guy that. Um... Like we'll get up at 5 a.m. and pray for an hour and read my Bible for an hour and then go work out. Like that's that's not my routine. Um, Usually I'm awake. um, uh, Normally six or six fifteen every morning. Um, And I like a little bit of a slower morning typically. So um, I'll I'll lay in bed and I'll go through um, uh, whatever I'm doing on view version Bible app on my phone. I'll pull up and go through, you know, the scripture reading for the day, or if I'm doing a devotional, um, you know, I'll go through that before I get out of bed. Um, and so that's part of it. And, and I know this is not a popular thought, but I am not the person, I know a lot of pastors believe if you're studying for a message, it doesn't count as personal time. And I don't believe that at all because, um, for me, I know, man as i'm studying the word i'm growing it's stretching me it's developing me and so um i I, it's hard for me to differentiate between sermon prep and personal personal bible time and so just about anything i'm doing regarding the bible is developing me and growing me and helping me become a better man of god so you know when it comes to the disciplines of reading your bible and You know personal versus professional and that kind of stuff to me it's it's not as uh clear-cut in my life um i'm pretty conscientious about about um prayer and making sure i'm you know carving out time throughout my day for prayer um you know even in just having a a kind of attitude of prayer throughout the day and just making sure um it's kind of like you know when you're dating your wife or you're you know if you're single if you've got a girlfriend or a boyfriend um how your, your thoughts will kind of drift back to them throughout the day. Um, and that's, that's the kind of atmosphere I want to create with my walk with God that, hey, every time I've got kind of a spare moment, I want my heart to drift back. And so I'll say a prayer all you know, so I just try to spend as much time just walking with him as I can uh, throughout the day. Um, so That's kind of what it looks like as far as like renewal stuff. I mean, Thursdays and Fridays now are days off for me. And so Friday's my Sabbath. I spend time with my wife. I don't do anything church related at all. My staff doesn't talk to me. You know, they won't call me. I don't care what's happening. Um, And I just guard that like crazy. I don't do anything on Friday related to the church. Um, It's just family, just me personally, you know, doing some a project or woodworking or things like that are things that kind of renew me and kind of help me stay centered and focused on God. So I don't know if that answered your question exactly.
0: No, I love it. It sounds much more kind of uh, organic and relational than yeah. like a formula. Yeah, it, that
1: just doesn't work for me to go, hey, I'm going to pray at 6 a.m. and, you know, 6 to 6.30, it's going to be this. And I just, that's not how I function. And I, if I tried to do that, I would just get frustrated and, anyway so that's not what it looks like for me
0: yeah that's great that's great well Mel hey, I really appreciate your time being with us uh (laughs) so excited about what all is going on there at the church and uh so thankful for just your investment in the back 40 network and the conference and the podcast so definitely go check them out so uh you know social media email what what's what's the back 40 what's your church just give us some some information so people can follow up with you uh, if you want more information about the back 40 network
1: just visit back40back40.network that's our website uh you can find um you know some resources there uh you can find uh, you know past conference speakers things like that those are available um connect with us on back 40 on social media back 40 network uh, if you want more information about our church it's the website summitpa.church and um, if you are listening to this and you are on staff at a church and you would like to connect with any of our staff they our team knows we want to be a resource for the kingdom. So feel free to reach out to any of our staff. If you've got questions about things we do or how we do it, we'd love to help you any way we can. Um, and I'm available on social media as well. If anybody wants to connect, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just Mel Massingale, you'll find me there and uh, love to connect with you. So Ryan, thanks so much for the opportunity to be on your podcast today and to just share with leaders. It really is an honor and a privilege. And I, I appreciate you thinking of me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mel, so much. So thanks, guys, for listening today. And we look forward to talking to you guys.